Welcome to God's Work Displayed, Episode 8. Well, welcome back to God's Word Displayed. Sorry it's been a long hiatus. It took a little longer than I originally anticipated. Uh, I did enjoy uh, not preparing for this during December, and then I sort of prepared in January and just got kind of hairy with work and some some other personal things and uh, got a little under the weather for a little while, so uh, I apologize if I uh, sound a little rough uh, with my voice that just happened with having a kind of creepy cough and all that. So uh, I apologize for that. Um, so uh, we're going to do a little something different for this episode. Uh, it's it's going to be me talking again. I'm sorry. Um, I'm go- I really am going to try to get some interviews scheduled. Uh, but today, instead of going through a particular topic, uh, we're going to just do a, a brief book review uh, this, uh, the book we're going to do today is called Disability in the Gospel, and it's by Michael S. Beats. I'm hoping I'm saying his last name correctly. So we're going to, we're going to just kind of go through that, do a quick book review. I might do a couple of those, um, in the near future. There's been a handful of books that have been useful, uh, that are specifically related to disability topics. Uh, I have yet to come across anyone that's written specifically about severe and profound intellectual disabilities. Although there is one book on my uh, list that I hope to read some from a Roman Catholic perspective, uh, and it's specifically dealing with the image of God uh, for those with profound disabilities. So I'm kind of hopeful that'll be a good book, but <clears throat> my, my list of what I need to read is kind of long right now. I'm working on several biblical theologies, so it's... It's a little, it's a little dense at the moment. Um, but before we get started, I'd like to take a little time to pray um, as I think through um, some possible options for this podcast and potentially for God's Word display turning into some sort of uh, ministry parachurch thing that will assist churches um, and just being thoughtful about that and prayerful um, and trusting that the Lord will lead um, in the right direction with that. So um, I am going to, I'm also going to be praying for some friends of mine, uh, the Smiths. They are currently in language school right now um, as they learn French. And then after that, they're going to be going to, and I don't want to say the country because I can't remember if we can or not. So I just won't, but they will be going to an African country um, to serve as mi- uh, missionaries once the language school is over. Um, and so they're in language school in France with their two daughters, uh, who are very young, and then they'll be going to Africa. Um, and so I just want to take a little time to pray for them as well. So let's pray and then we'll get started. Gracious Holy Father, you are kind and merciful beyond all description. So Lord, we are so thankful that you Give us your word to learn about who you are, but most importantly, you've given us Christ to show us who you are and how you love us and how you are the only hope that we have, that you have redeemed us. Uh, Lord, we are thankful for men and women who have 
um, thought through uh, your word and have written books and produced other material to to encourage us to give us wisdom on how to approach uh, issues with disabilities as well as to uh, think through just how to live our lives so we are thankful for um, the author uh, of this book uh, Michael Beats and uh, how he's taken time to think through a lot of biblical issues and address those um, and we also pray for uh, the Smiths as they are in the midst of language school I just we just ask for them to have wisdom um, and that you will bless their time of learning uh, of the language and that um, as even as they struggle through that and as they study through it they are leaning on leaning on you to, for their help for their your provision um, let them be able to parent well even under the midst of this uh, stress and it being in a new country with uh, uh, immersed in another language and uh, we just ask that you will bless their time there that they will grow and that they will have opportunities to share the gospel even there in their that small city and uh, we just ask that they are being prepared for uh, their time as missionaries in Africa that you will give them safety when they're there that you will grow them in faith and that they will have a powerful ministry of of sharing the word and um, sharing the gospel but also loving people through uh, acts of mercy and uh, caring for people it's in jesus name we pray amen all right so again like i said <clears throat> we're going to do a book review so again the title is disability in the gospel and the subtitle is How God Uses Our Brokenness to Display His Grace. And this is by Michael S. Beats. And Michael Beats has his doctorate of ministry. So for some of you that may not know, it's, a little, it's different than a PhD. It's still a doctorate, um, but it's more geared towards um, more practical things. Not saying that PhDs are bad, because PhDs do a lot of work. That we, uh, it, I, all, My book was dependent on PhD work and reading what they've written and a lot of the thoughts they had. So, but it, it is different. Um, so he tells us on the back that he's married to to Mary, and they have seven children, one of whom uh, has profound disabilities, and then he has two others who have some different challenges. And, and he references in the book he will talk about the daughter that has the profound disabilities. Uh, he doesn't give too much detail about the other children. Uh, but he, so he's coming at it from, he's a parent, he's, he's lived through this with his child, and um, he's also been working with Joni and friends, so Joni Erickson Tata has a large ministry for uh, disabilities, um, and it's a general disability, so I don't want to, so don't think that what I'm doing is saying that she's not doing a good job. What I am just emphasizing is severe and profound intellectual disabilities, uh, but not at the detriment of, of any work they're doing. They're doing great work, and so he, so he. Anyways, he's he's been working with them for a long time, and so he's he's got some scholarship behind him in terms of he got his demon, um, and but he's also lived life through that. Um, so this book is approximately a hundred and 
well, I was looking and seeing, I was going to say 150 pages. It is about 150 pages, but then he has a couple of appendices. Um, so you throw those in along with his uh, biblio selected bibliography and some scripture index, and it's 190 pages. So it's not too big. Um, it's not, I didn't find it too dense either. I felt it very readable. Uh, I wasn't constantly looking up what he was talking about. Um, but I feel like not many people would need to, to go and look up a lot of stuff. If you wanted to, you could. Um, but he writes in a very accessible way that's easy to understand. So that's a good thing. Um, I'm not really sure what the price is. So I got this from my local Christian bookstore. Um, so it's locally owned. So I would encourage you to to give business to your local Christian bookstore. Uh, and so that they ordered it for me because they didn't have it in stock. And it cost me uh, just a smidge over $11 and then throw in tax. And so it was just like $11.50. So, and this has been a really great book, I will say that. I referenced that in my book, um, so you can look those references up as well. Uh, so, he breaks he breaks his book into four parts, which, if you read my book, is also basically in four parts, and I think I inadvertently <laughs> liked his numbering, uh, but we, we kind of go through different ways. Uh, his first part he refers to as part one, the voice of God. So he kind of works through, he, he does a biblical theology through that, kind of just a survey of what the Old Testament, what the Gospels, what the Acts and Epistles all teach about disabilities, and he concludes it with his own little chapter within that part. Then part two, he talks about voices from the past. And, what he's talking about is verse. He kind of goes through historical theology of disability. So he he even goes back to the rabbis. So what we would call um, second temple literature um, in in pre Christianity, pre Christ period, and then gets in the early church, and then he jumps to the Reformation era. The reason he does that most likely is he is um, he got his demon from the Reformed theological. Um, yeah, the guys from the Reformed Theological Seminary, so he's from a Reformed background. Uh, and I, you know, I actually looked through stuff historically. There's not a lot really about disabilities um, prior to the Reformation, to be perfectly honest. And so that's probably why he jumps to that era. Uh, there, I think Aquinas does talk about some stuff, but it's mostly in regards to uh, dealing with the image of God. And what I've read of Aquinas, I find problematic in terms of his image of God understanding. So um, that's probably why he jumps that. And then he also goes to the modern era. And so <clears throat> then he, part three is voices of today, of today. Because we are, just so you know, in case you're not aware, we are no longer in what's called the modern era. We're in post-modernity or probably even something after that. I'm kind of out of the loop on that. But uh, modernity is no we no longer in modernity, we're in something else. From like a, a philosophical um, way of thinking. So so part three, he calls it Voices Today. So first he talks about secular voices, those who are non-Christians who have written about disabilities and what their thoughts are. And then he 
his other chapter in that section or that part is current Christian voices. And so he talks about what Christians are writing about. This is before my book, so I'm not in here. Uh, I'm just joking. I mean, I'm not joking. It's true, but I'm being facetious. And then finally, part four, he um, kind of cast, uh, cast a vision for the future. And this is where I, I probably I picked up on that, and probably that's why my book, the final section, is, is written that way. Um, so he titles the first chapter, chapter nine, which is the first chapter of part four, what the church must say to the world in the 21st century. So what we need to do as a church. And then uh, how God is still sovereign and is over all things. So it's it's a it's a pretty comprehensive book. Um, I so I will I'll go ahead and say this this is a, a buy. So I think that if you are interested in this uh, topic of disabilities in general, but specifically it's fear and profound, it's still a buy. Um, I think he's got great work. Um, he does a very good job with uh, working through biblical literature and dealing with with how that how that informs how we need to think about disabilities he doesn't spend a lot of time on the image of god um not near as much as i do but he does spend some time on it uh, and the image of god is a complicated and um difficult concept in a lot of ways because putting your finger on exactly what that means is tough and then how how does that play out it is also difficult. So, but he walks through um, some of that, and I'm not going to rehash everything. It's a really great job he does, particularly with the um, what we call the Pentateuch or the Torah. And then he works through the prophets, which we would think like the Judges and um, Samuel, Kings. I, and then into what we normally think of as prophets, it's like Isaiah and Jeremiah and stuff. So, um, he he has an interesting take. He actually talks about Gideon in Josh, Judges six, um, and which is kind of kind of interesting. Uh, he frames it in a, a way that is interesting. I don't know if I fully agree with the way he frames it. I, I think he, he's maybe. Uh, stretching the text a little too far. Uh, but he points out that Gideon um, is from the weakest clan in his tribe and the least in his family. And so he point, he quotes in, ver, in, in page 34, towards the top, he's, he says, he is literally the least of the weak in reference to Gideon. And so, but Jesus, but God still uses him and so what he's pointing out is he's let, there's a pattern that's happening that God is using the weak to bring about things. Uh, so it's not specifically about disability, but um, he's pointing out that I think in the context of this being a book about disability, we have to point out that he doesn't have a physical or intellectual disability that we're aware of. We're not ever told that. So, um, but I think what he's trying to do is he's laying out this this concept, a pattern of weakness. 
and he kind of works through that with even uh, Isaiah uh, and then some of the minor prophets. And he gets into uh, the, the writings, which is Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. And I don't think, yeah, he doesn't have some others. Um, he doesn't spend a lot of time in this. He just references a couple of Psalms and points out that God made us and that God is over all creation. So there's a comfort in that in regards to uh, we are made and by him. And so God knows how we're made. And if we are made with disabilities, then he knows that and he cares about us. So um, now he turns to the Gospels. And he works through the Gospels. He points out some pretty um, common situation um, narratives in the gospel of where Jesus is providing healing you know, spend some time on that and, and I think those are those are very helpful obviously I, I find those very um, uh, good Jesus is healing he finds it important enough to take time for people with disabilities and to heal them and to speak to them and acknowledge them we see that again and um, he get, moves the acts and the epistles we see that you know, in Acts, there's healing, and Paul's epistles, um, that what's important is not our our fleshly body, but our spirit in terms of like our renewed spirit in Christ. And so he's really walking us through that and, and not being so focused on our physicalities. So then he concludes it, and kind of what, what I've been kind of saying. Um, and now, now he moves into rabbinical sources and Greek sources. And he just kind of points out that like the Greeks obviously had a hierarchy and if you had a disability, you were at the bottom. And, you know, and he doesn't necessarily talk about this, but, you know, well, he does. Actually, I saw a mistake. He does, you know, in Sparta, they would... Uh, commit infanticide where you know if you were um, not strong strong enough or there was a deformity when you were born you would be placed out to be in, in out in nature to be killed by the either the weather or animals or something like that um, because you weren't perfect which um, we do that now in the United States but we do it while you're still in the womb with abortion um, abortion is basically saying that you're not good enough and so um, it's problematic to say the least. All right, so uh, then he talks about the the church, um, early church, medieval church, um, and looking at their image of God stuff. And I'm not going to get into that. It's uh, I would encourage you to read that. There's some history going on, and then you jump to the Reformation. And he just kind of summarizes it. It's a pretty short section. Uh, modern era, there's a lot of issues. Um, read my book. <laughs> he actually references Hokema's book, which is one I rely on for my book. So you should you should read that if you have the wherewithal to, to read a kind of dense book on the image of God. But uh, you may not agree with everything that Hokema says, but you, he's he's impactful 
in um, what's being discussed now and days. So uh, it's worth it. Now we talk about secular voices. And he's looking at, um, it's really sad, is he's, what's happening is that with um, secular voices, they have, um, we're, he lays out the pattern that we're, we just have a, without Christ, we have a low view of people, a low view of humanity. Um, you know, he talks about the Nazis with, is it right? Am I right? Margaret Singer, I believe. And with, um, Kevorkian, if you remember Jack Kevorkian, he was the guy who helped assisted suicides. Um, Dr. James Watson, who one helped discover that the, the DNA is a double helix structure, um, he advocates for killing people off that are not perfect or there, um, when people have, uh, severe brain injuries, they're advocating for that, which is also really upsetting to me since I work with people with brain injuries and that's, that's not okay. Um, so he tells a story about, um, Terry, I can't even say the last name, Shiavo, in which she had a brain injury. And um, so they they basically killed her off the, the hospital and the U.S. government. Um, or, or some other people, so. And then there, he references uh, a case in Bloomington, Indiana, in 1982, called the Baby Doe case, where the courts allowed a newborn child with Down syndrome to die from neglect and dehydration in the hospital at the parents' wishes. Um, and so, um, there's a, definitely a, a pattern of, of disregard for the worth of people unless they have some provide you with some service or good and that's at the root of the abortion debate too it's it's, it's pretty it's all pretty um, selfish self-centered um, now there have been some other issues good things have occurred over time that people with disabilities have gotten a voice have gotten a bigger voice they've been fighting for it and so they're not as silent anymore um and so then he moves on to current Christian voices. He references Schaefer and how Schaefer really advocates for listening to people. Um, and and he, he makes a reference to Dr. Everett Coop, who, who's co-author with Schaefer in one book, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read this. It's in page 114. Uh, Dr. Coop was asked if he thought terribly deformed or retarded children were better off left to die. His unequivocal response was, "As deformed or retarded as the youngster may be, 
He is still a person who was created in the image of God and born into a fallen world. And I think that's just a beautiful summation. I mean, we, he's using terms that some people cringe at, but his summation of that it's still a person created in the image of God and born into a fallen world, that's all of us. That's each and every one of us. That's the people that this podcast is about. That's the people that you meet every day. That's the people I work with that have brain injuries. This is just whoever. It doesn't matter. They're all image bearers. And so uh, you definitely uh, are seeing overall a Christian view that it's good. There are some who have not provided the best answers, though. And um, that's not... (laughs) It's discouraging at times. Um, So he breaks it up into liberal Christian views... And you do see a definitely a, some liberal Christians have pointed out that as long and I'm, I make the point I'm not a liberal Christian but I make the point in, when I'm my discussion John nine that we can't when we see a disability we can't point at point at it and say that's a result of a specific sin because most often it's not there are cases where it could be uh, but it's often not the result of that person. I mean, so I work, like I said, I work with people with brain injuries. Now, if they are um, using a lot of drugs, maybe drinking a lot of alcohol, driving a car, run the car into something, you know, like into a tree or something, and they have a brain injury, yes, that 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 is that is a consequence of sin. That's not, that's pretty infrequent. But with intellectual disabilities, it's not somebody's fault. I mean... Or at least that's not that individual. The sin could be on the doctor who delivered. They could have screwed some, some things up. Not always. I mean, sometimes it could be there was something that happened in the birth that was unexpected. That the doctor had all this, used all the skill and wisdom that he, that he or she had, and still it happened. That's I'm not saying that, but um, we can't look at people's disability and accuse them of being a sinner specifically now we can say you're a sinner because each and every one of us is a sinner and we need christ but um he's right to point out that that in general liberal christians have done a good job with that and addressing how to include people into um, churches often they go off the deep end on some stuff and then we've got conservative christian perspective and Probably the loudest voice has been Joni Erickson Tata, uh, where she had um, a traumatic injury that left her paralyzed um, from the waist down. I, I'm, I can't remember. I'm looking through here, and I'm not finding it. So, But she created a ministry called Joni and Friends, and they provide a lot of support and help with a lot of that. So we move on to the last part, and... Um, it's what the church must say and um, he really talks about like we need to um, step into the suffering that people have and to care for them and to understand that we're all broken and that we No longer we don't, and we don't need to obviously mock people who have disabilities and are, have these issues. 
that's that's horrible, uh, but that we need to include them. Um, but we also need to listen and listen to uh, people with disabilities and include them in our church and as appropriate. Um, have them lead in your church. And what, when I say as appropriate, um, don't have them lead just because they're disabled. <laughs> you have them lead because they have the character traits of a leader. Um, and so if somebody has a disability, that does not um, disbar them from being a pastor. The scripture gives us what the qualifications are, and nowhere does it say the qualifications are that you have to be able to walk. You know, there's nothing about that. Um, that's, that's an example. I, I think that, so in the pastor, though, they have to be able to teach. So we do, you know, you have to assess that, and that's it gets trickier. But um, the diaconate does not require that. So um, if they're faithful brothers or sisters, they could be deacons and deaconesses. But, you know, potentially, as long as they meet the other character traits. That's that's the only thing, barring that. Um, and, and you have to see, like, how are they going to serve, and, and they need to serve. So, but leading, listening to them. Um, and he talks about, he references uh, what Joni and Friends uh, references. And kind of what a leader would look like. And this one of them is, is biblical, so I appreciate that. Um, but we, we, anybody in the church that is a leader also needs to make sure that they are serving people with disabilities and giving them the time and the, that they need. Just because somebody has an intellectual disability um, doesn't mean that they're not worth your time. Doesn't mean that they're not going to... Uh, that they're not going to be a, a productive member of the community. Um, no, they just need help in different ways than you realize. But they may have insight into something that you've never had the insight into. Or maybe they have, they're seeing better than you are the needs of others. And maybe they're your best resource for finding out how to care for others. Maybe they can teach you how to care for others and how to be on the lookout so he didn't give some um, uh, some some ways of how to make your church what he calls disability effective, um, and to to grow in that way. Uh, finally, he he wraps up with sovereignty. It's called sovereignty and the whispering voice of hope. Just knowing that God is sovereign. Um, and sometimes we just have to be um, hopeful that God will bring about what is best and that His glory will be magnified. So he, he gives some recommendations and then kind of closes it out. Some scripture, um, again, and, and I really appreciate this book. I I feel like it's been a while since I've read it, um, and I, but I really recommend it. It's, like I said, easily accessible. He 
Like I said, he has he has a couple of tendencies. One's on God's sovereignty and genetic anomalies. I really encourage people um, to to read that as well, particularly with some of the debates now going on um, with people like designing genetically designing children in, in utero um, with CRISPR. If you're not familiar with CRISPR, just look it up. It's without any. It's the end. Um, it's a genetic technique. And just how, uh, yeah. And then, um, and then he has the, sec- the second penance is, is God's love for the broken. And so it's his ser- a sermon he had. Um, so he spends the time talking about Mephibosheth. If you're not familiar with Mephibosheth, it's in Second Samuel nine. That's it's um, a good one. And then Luke fifteen, and, and kind of connecting all that uh, together. So, uh, like I said, this is a book that's definitely a buy, and I would, I, you know, if if there's anybody in the local area that would be interested, we could you could buy this book. We could do a book study together on this. I'd be up for that. Um, I don't know if I'd be up for a book, like a online one. I'm not, but um, yeah, I would love to hear any questions you have. Um, any comments, feedback on what you thought about uh, the change uh, format for today. And, uh, yeah, uh, please, please utilize the Facebook page. Please email me at godsworkdisplayed at gmail.com. And uh, thank you for your time and listening. And I'll, uh, you should hear back from me uh, <laughs> with less gap than last time. All right. Thanks. Thank you.